Psalms 101, starting verse 1. I will sing of mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. What I want to talk to you tonight about is living righteously. Living a righteous life. Let's look back at verse 1. First of all, let's just let's start right there. Let's, this is kind of a basis of what David is talking about. He says, I will sing of mercy and judgment. He's talking about singing unto the Lord, right? He's talking about lifting up His voice of praise. But it's about mercy and judgment. What You know, you can understand wanting to praise God for mercy, right? And I mean, I have many times. But why would you want to praise God for judgment? Well, as I begin to look at this one side of it, I'm not saying this is the only way to look at it, but one thing you could, one judgment you could praise God for is related to mercy, and that's the judgment that was placed on Jesus. See, it's, it's that judgment for our sins that He took that gave us mercy. So, as you begin to look at this living righteously, remember that those sins are paid for by His judgment. The Word says that the chastisement of our peace is upon Him, right? The way that we have peace was because of His chastisement. So let's look at the Scripture tonight. Let's look at how what David's talking about. Verse 2 says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. What does that mean? I should behave myself wisely in a perfect way. I believe what David's trying to say is that we should live our lives in a way that strives for perfection. You know, people of the world will look at a person like that and they have negative things to say. But there is a difference in having negative things to say about somebody and being able to accuse them of something 
because of their behavior, okay? People are going to talk bad about you when they perceive that you're better than them, right? That's just the natural way things are. They're going to try to tear you down. But it's better to be talked about in a negative manner because of your righteous living than to be accused of something because of your unrighteous living. You see, we are, we are told in the Bible to be, to live above reproach. We're told to live a life that is an example, just like the life that Jesus came and lived. We're to be an example to those people. They are to look at us and try to find something wrong, right? They shouldn't be able to come to you and start to look at your life and be able to stop very soon because they found something. I'm not saying that any of us can reach perfection in this life. But all that low-hanging fruit needs to be gone, right? Our our life should be, on the outside, it should be a reflection of what Jesus did. They should look at us and see a level of perfection that can be attained, but is not normal. Right? You don't see righteous living in a normal setting in this world. It's abnormal. So, as you begin to examine your life tonight, I want you to do that. I want you to look at yourself. And I guarantee you the minute I say these things, things come to your mind that God's already dealt with you about. But righteous living is not just a good concept. It's a mandate. We're told to live righteously. Jesus... Well, no, it wasn't Jesus. It was back in the Old Testament, actually. But re-quoted in the New Testament. I believe it was Peter that quoted it. It said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's what God told His people. That's what, that's what righteous means, right? Holy. Pure. Some people seem to revel in their imperfections. You ever seen anybody like that? Have you ever been one of those people? Well, that's just the way I am. Nothing I can do about it. And they seem to enjoy a bad trait that they have. They enjoy kind of flaunting that in front of people. Well, that's just the way I am, man. That's not the way we should live. We should do our, our best to rid ourselves of those imperfections. We should strive to live above reproach. Let's look at Romans chapter 14. I'm going to mark my place here because I'm going to come back to that. And start in verse 14. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, 
For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. So in this particular example, Paul is is telling the Romans that it's okay for you to eat any kind of meat. None of that stuff is unclean anymore. You can eat whatever you want to. But if if you eating this meat becomes a stumbling block to someone that's not as strong in the faith, then you should you should just abstain from it, right? He's he's trying to give you a picture of what liberty is, okay? Another place he says all things are lawful, but not expedient. See, I don't have to worry about condemnation from every little mistake I make. I I repent and everything's done, right? I don't have to live in fear of losing my salvation because of one little mistake. That's liberty. Okay? So how does that tie in with living righteously as far as meat, right? I'm I'm not... What he's trying to tell you here is a concept, not a specific indictment for meat. He's trying to show you that that this is just one example of how uh, a thing can be taken and overdone. But, what is he saying? He's saying, your life is an example to people. You should live in a manner that is above reproach. They should not be able to come to you and make accusations that hold any water. That's what he's really saying. And when those things are done in your life and it becomes a stumbling block to others, they see what you do and they say, well, Kevin does that. It must be okay. Then you've just become a stumbling block. So living righteously is not just to avoid accusations. That example is for a reason, right? It's to show someone else this is how you ought to live. This is how you should behave. That's why he said to behave wisely in a perfect way. Because the the wisdom comes there from not just knowing that my behavior affects me, but it affects everybody else. Now let's look back in Psalms 101. <clears throat> In verse 7. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. What do you think he's talking about there? Right? Right? He's talking about who you keep company with, ain't he? Now, does that mean you don't ever talk to anybody that is not living a righteous life? No, it doesn't mean that. How can you be an example to them if you don't have some sort of relationship with them? But what he's saying is, those people that don't hold up to the same kind of standard that I've set for myself, I don't need to hang around all the time. I don't need to let them be in my inner circle, so to speak. I don't need to have those kind of friends that I depend on 
and, and, you know, entertain all the time that don't have a standard of righteousness in their life. When they steer away from the mark, I need to be trying to go the other way. Right? When you look at those people, now listen, I'm not saying you just totally cut those people off from all existence in your life. But it needs to be so limited that they see the difference. Right? When they're going the wrong way, they need to see they're getting away from you. Now that's emotionally. They need to see that this is not acceptable in your life. Don't allow those things to become acceptable because you want to preserve a friendship. Don't allow those things in your life to be... uh, uh, kind of washed over and, and not thought about too much because you're trying to hold on to a friend or even a loved one, a, a family member even. Don't say, well, it's okay because, you know, I know better, but I don't want to hurt our relationship. What's more important? My right standing with God is more important. My right standing and my testimony to other people. I want other people to look at me and say, you know what? I see Kevin's friends doing this stuff, but I also see he's not hanging around with them anymore like he used to. I need them to see my life as an example, even to those that are closest to me, so they can see I'm not going to stand for unrighteousness in my life. Why is this important? You know who I'm to be an example to? It's not just to the world. It's not just to those that are out there that I would call uh, unsaved or unchurched or whatever. It's to everybody. Everybody. My closest friends need to know I'm not going to put up with unrighteousness in my life. They need to see that. When I begin to allow those little things, well, I'll just overlook this, or, you know, well, that's not too bad. Before you know it, they begin to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You allow more and more things to come in, and before you know it, your testimony is ruined. There's a song by a group called Casting Crowns, and it's called Slow Fade. And that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the slow fade that takes place in a Christian's life when they allow those little bitty things. See, it doesn't happen overnight, Brother Tim. I don't fall into drug addiction overnight. I don't fall into alcohol addiction overnight. I don't fall into uh, a lustful thoughts and all that kind of stuff overnight. It's a slow fade. It's allowing those little bitty things that aren't all that bad. On the surface, they don't seem all that bad. I allow, well, this will be okay this time. I allow that stuff to come in, and before you know it, I'm allowing bigger and bigger and bigger things, and before you know it, my testimony's gone. My example, my witness, all those times that I, I worked so hard to have a perfect life, a righteous life is destroyed and washed away. You know what's bad about that? 
I can turn around. I can start to live righteous again. But you know what the bad thing is? I can't get that testimony back for some people. Some people won't hear it. Some people, you have one chance. You think that's not the case, you try it and see. How dare you? (laughs) I know people, my dad was a perfect example. If he ever made his mind up about something, you could forget it. It didn't matter what evidence you presented to him and told him how wrong he was, it didn't matter. He was not going to change his mind. And that's not a good quality. I'm not trying to tell y'all that that's something we should do. I'm telling you, there are people like that. You know, we call them hard-headed, stubborn, whatever you want to call them. It doesn't matter. The point is, there are some people that you have one chance to make one impression and that's it. Do you want to risk that by allowing a little bit of unrighteousness in? It's not worth it. That could be their soul. And I want you to understand, church, your testimony doesn't just speak about you. Your testimony speaks about all of Christianity. Your testimony not only speaks about all of Christianity, it speaks about Jesus. See, that's that's the thing that really hurts me. (laughs) When I stop for a minute and realize it's not just my testimony I'm hurting, I'm hurting their ideal of Jesus. Because that's what people see. That's who you claim to be, right? Christ-like. I claim to be like Jesus. I claim to serve Jesus. And when they see me living an unrighteous life, full of imperfection, full of all all sorts of unrighteousness that I allow and tolerate to just permeate my life, they think that's what Jesus is like. That's why churches are called hypocritical. That's why Christians are called hypocrites. Because they say one thing and live something totally different. We can't afford to do that. We can't afford to do that at all. If if we expect to reach any people in this life for the kingdom of God, it won't be done through unrighteousness. It'll be through living a perfect life, a righteous life, a holy life. 